that you will speak to us and that you are ready to do so. Um, whether we, Lord God, ourselves are ready to receive, you are always so incredibly ready to speak to us. And so I pray that our hearts will be open to hear. I trust that it will um, change our lives in a sense this morning again as we consider just your faithfulness and your goodness. In Jesus' name. All God's people said, Amen, Amen. I want to ask you to look at the first slide there with me. Um, and I want to ask you to try to think of a word that comes up to your mind when you look at that map. Gee, some people need to be prayed for because it's, I don't see Corona on that. I just see the world. <laughs> Anybody else? What do you see? What? It's upside down. No, what's wrong? No, you can't be serious. Maybe your eyes. No, it is. It's an upside down. Have you ever looked at the world like that? Eh? It's kind of weird, eh? We're only so used to seeing Africa in the middle. And then there are other continents around it. But this one is very weird. Look at where Australia is. It's like so strange. Brazil and South America to the left. And, and then Africa is somewhere tucked in. And it's just so weird. But I want to describe to you what an upside-down world really looks like. And it's, and it's not just that. An example of an upside world is the following. Where people can mock Jesus on cartoons. And it's allowed, but when done to other religions, they get killed or jailed when they do that. When references to things like homosexuality is what the Bible calls a sin, is is mentioned by people and they say it is a sin but they can get legally charged for saying that and they can even be jailed or majorly criticized an upside down world is when a baby is born and you're not allowed to call it a boy or a girl but rather wait for it because we're so clever in this upside down world of ours, we say, wait for this child to decide what it wants to be. And if the child, by the way, wants to change that decision later on in life, they're allowed to do it. That's an upside down world, ladies and gentlemen. An upside down world is where people are sexually free to enjoy multiple relations at the, at the same time and, and condemn marital faithfulness or criticize it hugely or sexual abstinence is majorly criticized and the unmarried, um, is, is um, seen as the way forward. We don't have to marry, get married. It's a primitive behavior. That's the upside-down world. An upside-down world is what we just saw this week where, where people are trying to help others by discovering a new variant that's come about, but they criticize as the actual ones that spread it. Hence, South Africa, Zimbabwe, and the whole of Africa almost now being put under Scrutiny, because we're the ones that, that, that brought it about. So like, oh, stay away from South Africa or Africa, because, you know, they're the ones that actually found it, and their scientists have been incredibly good at, at discovering this thing and calling it that, but now nobody wants to come and visit us. And we, we're trusting our Lord that our son and his wife and our grandson will be here this Friday, regardless of all these things that are happening. That's is a little bit of an upside-down world that you and I are in. And it's not determined by biblical values or even sometimes reason because we become so clever that we say this is how we should live. 
But in our pursuit of knowing God, we, we've got to understand that there are, things, there are things that He speaks about that are more valuable than the values that we find around us. And, and I want to talk to you about an upside-down world from the biblical point of view. We've been talking about a couple of values over the last couple of weeks, and it's our fourth week today that we're talking about this concept of being together. And so we've spoken about being together at, at growth. We want to, we're going to grow together. We've spoken about together at, and, and worship and worshiping our God and, and giving Him everything of ourselves. We've spoken together at serving and saying, I want to serve. And I need to serve, and that's what the Bible teaches me. And this morning, I want to talk to you about together in giving. I'm going to take you to another map um, as we speak about discovering an upside-down world from a biblical point of view. Are you ready for that? There are many upside-down worlds in the, in, in the Bible because we actually are in an upside-down kingdom where the king has not come to, as we said last week, to be served, but he came to serve. That's an upside-down world, ladies and gentlemen, where a king comes and he says, I'll wash your feet. You don't see that happen in our world. Amen? So let me show you this next map where um, it's just a little bit about the Roman Empire at the time of Jesus and, and, and how things happened and how they moved around and, and, and just to help you understand because we're going to an upside-down world in one of those places. Where, where a man by the name of Paul traveled to. So just help you geographically to understand where we're going. All right? Um, the next map is, is where Paul had not traveled, if we can go there. You'll see, again, this is a little bit more clearer or more details than the previous one. So you'll look at that blue arrow or the blue line, and there's a yellow line, and then there's a red line coming down. So Paul was traveling from a place called Antioch, this is kind of like his second missionary journey. And you'll read more about this in Acts 16. And in Acts 16, when he gets to roundabout here, if you can look at my hand, um, there's a place called Troas. And during the night, he has a dream. And he, and he hears God speaking to him through just this dream. And in this dream, there's a man, a man from Macedonia. That's the area. And that area where the yellow is, where it gone to, is where Paul had gone to because he had this call from Macedonia to go there. And so he immediately responds. And the next day he travels to Macedonia and he goes and visits them. And eventually he goes to Macedonia, by the way, is modern day Greece. This is Turkey over here by the blue areas. And the churches that he spoke to and ministered to are all from those areas. And so we find that in this time, Paul visits these churches in Macedonia. And there are three churches particularly that he goes to in three different cities. The one is in Berea, the other one is in Thessalonica, and then the third one is in Philippi. And hence we have the letters written to Philippians and Thessalonians because he visited those areas. But there's something amazing about these Macedonian people that I want to suggest to you today that they were upside-down people. <laughs> they did things completely different. And let me take you to Corinthians, the second book, second letter that Paul writes to the, the church in Corinth. And he writes about them, the Macedonian church in 2 Corinthians 8. And I'll read it to you. And we're going to spend much of our time talking about these upside-down people. He says in verse 1, are you all there with me? 2 Corinthians 8. You're good. He says, we want you to know, brothers, about 
the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. Those three different cities that I spoke to you about. For in severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. So here we find a church or a group of churches that had done certain things. What had happened at the time in Jerusalem, in, in Israel, there had been major famine. And, and the churches across the known world at the time, why don't you just go back to the previous slide and even the one before because it's a little bit more clear. That one, yeah. So the churches, I mean, Jerusalem is down here. Just Red Sea, you see the blue. Jerusalem over there, they were suffering. There was famine. And the churches over here that weren't necessarily Jews, they were Gentiles. They were people that got saved through faith in Jesus Christ here in Macedonia. They heard about the plight of the Jerusalem church. So they raised funds to give to the Jewish church, really, in Jerusalem. They cared enough. And so Paul commends them and he comments about them. So he's writing to the church in Corinth which is down here in Greece. And he says, guys, you know what these people have done? They're like upside down. They this, but they do that. They go through this, but they respond in this way. And I want to show you just some of these characteristics of, of what these people were like and why I call them the upside down. And why don't you just go with me to Philippians because we, we want to just see what Paul wrote to them, the actual church in Philippi, about this act of theirs. Listen to it in Philippians 4, verse 14. It says, Yet it was so kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians, yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I've received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Probably one of the most out-of-context verses that we often quote, my God shall supply, or my needs according to his riches. No, 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 no. Read in context, ladies and gentlemen. It says, my God shall supply all your needs because of how you have treated me, how you have sown into my life. So don't just come and claim it and, and, and frame it for the sake of your own wealth. So Jesus, I see that the Philippian church were extremely extravagant in their giving. Therefore, Paul says, may God bless you. May God supply all your needs because of your heart in the gospel. So I want to just give you five points of what I see an upside down people can look like from 2 Corinthians. We go back to, to that in chapter 8. I want to say, first of all, the it says there, verse 1, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God 
that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. So the first thing I want to say, an upside down people use the grace of God upon them, not only for themselves, but for the benefit of others. So Paul is saying, he says, I am so aware of the grace of God upon the churches of Macedonia. How did Paul notice that? And you'll see it later on, verses 2, 3, 4, and 5, where he says they were extremely generous in the way that they lived. And yet we find proof of that, that he says, listen, I see that God's grace, God's favor, his special favor upon us, when we say grace upon you, we actually say, may the favor of God be upon you. May the blessing of God be upon you. And Paul is saying, I can see that the blessing of God is upon the churches of Macedonia. Why? Because they have great buildings. There's a number of people. Now he says, by virtue of their giving. So what they are doing is that they're receiving from the Lord and they're giving. For that sets the foundation for any giving is that we receive favor from Him. And there's this amazing link between the grace of God and the grace of giving. We cannot just pray for the grace of God upon our lives and, and, and have a closed door when it comes to letting that flow through us. The grace of God must be so upon me so that others can also benefit from it. Our giving is made possible because of His giving. So He gives generously doesn't he amen we know that god does that he has given the most precious gift possible his son jesus christ and so he says as i have given you also give the macedonians did not use the grace or special favor of god on their own lives to enrich themselves but rather to make a difference in the lives of others 1 corinthians 15 if i want to just quickly ask you to go there with me 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10 says this. I want to need to just read it to you. How Paul responds in his own way about the grace of God upon him. He says, verse 10, But by the grace of God I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. So he's saying, what God has given to me has not been blocked and kept for myself. He says, on the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Paul is saying, what I have received, I have worked hard to make it of benefit to others through my effort. And so, ladies and gentlemen, we cannot just say, God, please bless me. You've got to understand, when you say that and you ask that, that's fine. But you've got to have an arm that's ready to pass on and let others benefit from the grace you receive. The second thing about an upside-down people, because I use the term upside-down because it doesn't make sense. Because we live in a world where we just want. And we want to just keep what we get. And upside down people says, no, no, no. I'm not going to live like that. I'm going to ask God to bless me so that I can be a greater blessing. That's what an upside down people look like. The second thing about this is, an upside down people live with joy in the midst of affliction. <laughs> this is what it says. In 2 Corinthians, again, we, we go back. It says in verse 2a, Speaking about the churches of Macedonia, he says, For in severe test of affliction, they had abundance of joy. See the two opposites here? <laughs> First of all, there's affliction, which is really pressure, or, or compression, or trial. 
And, and look at the contradiction of the other word, which is abundance of joy. How many of you would associate those two with one another? <laughs> Never. I mean, that's just like, it doesn't go together. It's like they, they don't, they shouldn't fit. But in the upside down world of the Macedonian church, they fit perfectly. There's severe testing. There's severe trial. And anyone going through that? You don't have to raise a hand. But it's real. There's major testing. Major trials. Major compression. Hey? So what the, what the Macedonian guys did, they brought joy into that. And not just... <laughs> no, it talks about an abundance of joy. An abundance of joy. Try to picture what that looks like. I don't know. I often find in my life that that's not real. That there's an abundance of joy. And I often find in my life that there's an awareness, a great awareness of affliction. Of real affliction. Severe test of affliction. Not just any affliction, but severe test. So we have these incredible opposites that in God's book, they come together. And in James, the reference there, James 1 it's two to four. It says, count it all joy when you face tests and trials and, and affliction. It's like, bring that in. Come on, bring it in. So there's affliction. Where's joy? Bring it in. And it's not impossible because we have a king that's with us that in Psalms 23, where, where King David speaks, he says, in the midst of my enemies, God prepares a table for me. Because he is with me. And I can be joyous. And it's not just this false joy. It's a real joy. It speaks of a confidence we have in God no matter what. The third thing I want to mention to you. What an upside down people could look like. In the context of being together. In giving of ourselves. And giving of our resources. Because this is what this church did. It says in verse 2 still. That they had gone through this affliction, they were in it, they responded with joy, and then their extreme poverty, not just any poverty, ladies and gentlemen, extreme poverty. So, shall I say that again? Extreme poverty. Eh? Extreme. Again, there's a contradiction here. There's extreme poverty, and then we bring this one in with it. It says, they overflowed, say with me, overflowed, overflowed. Some of you are like, oh, because of the, the mask. That's fine. It's fine. But just, there's, a, there's an overflowing of what? A wealth of generosity on their part. So we find poverty. Is that difficult to find in this nation? Is it difficult to find an overflow of generosity in this nation? Even if you don't have general, uh, um, poverty, rather, even if there's just wealth, you battle to find this one. By the way, they did some research. Uh, there's some guys, the Gallup Research um, guys, they did research across the world sometimes, and they said that the people that give most are not the wealthy ones, but it's the poor ones. Percentage-wise, 
They give more away than those that are wealthy. Staggering. Upside down world. Where we suppose, oh, geez, these guys have lots of money. Surely. <laughs> Actually, it's like these guys in Macedonia. And so Paul commended them for it and he comments on it. He says, oh, they are incredible. Upside down people are extremely generous even when they have very little to give. And it comes back to that story that Jesus um, witnessed in Mark 12 where the poor widow came and there were these wealthy people that came and gave their offerings. And Jesus didn't comment about that. He said, that lady, she had very little. But what she gave was more than the dollars, the thousands and the millions that these guys gave. Because she gave out of a heart. And even if it was little, it was all she had. So percentage-wise, she gave 100%. These guys gave 2%, 3%, 5%, whatever it was. This one gave from her heart. And Jesus celebrates that. And he commends her for it. The Macedonian church, the upside-down world people that gave beyond their means. They were not limited by what, by what they had. They gave more than what they had. It says here in verse 3, For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, Paul says, but beyond their means. I could see that they, they had very little, but actually they went beyond what they had. And even though they were incredibly poor, common people, we find that this is celebrated in the Bible today for us to learn from, to see what an upside-down world really looks like when it comes to generosity. The fourth thing about these people is that they, they did not wait to be asked to give, but they took the initiative. <laughs> and it says here that, I mean, look at it with me. At the end of verse 3, it says, As I can testify, they gave beyond their means of their own accord. That's voluntary. You agree? It wasn't, okay, um, guys, please, come on. I mean, we're going to spend another half an hour to, just to ask you to please give. The Jerusalem church is in need. Please, 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 can we just can put up some slides about the situation in the Jerusalem church and, and show you just the, the plight of them and just add a little bit of extreme pictures of uh, really how poor the little kids are. And, and, and out of that, we say to you, what your $1 can do is, is do this. And, and, and we just have little forms for you to fill in. And, and, and then please, 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 please give. No, these guys just did it out of their own accord. Actual fact, listen further. It says, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. Begging. It's like we, listen, listen, please don't ask me. I, I want to I just give. Where, where can I help? And I'm not saying that we need to go out and, and just splash all over the world and help. Because we can't. But the attitude is an upside down world is, but I don't wait for me to be asked or even to be begged to just give, oh, please, just one dollar would make such a difference. No, it's, you know what? I'm not going to wait for you to ask. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm always ready. There's, there's something so beautiful, beautiful about that. When people just willingly offer themselves freely to the Lord and say, here I am, Lord, I, I want to make available whatever I am, I have is yours. My life, my resources, they belong to you. And you know what? I'm not, 
I'm not asking you for your money, first of all, here this morning. I'm saying we've got to be together in giving of our lives. And you'll see what that really meant for these people as well. They gave out of their own accord. They actually, they made an urgent appeal. If you really look at the meaning of the Greek word there, they urgently appealed to Paul. Paul didn't urgently appeal to them. They appealed to him and said, we need to give. And we might imagine someone begging to be excused from giving, isn't it? Sorry, just not, not. But here we have people who are begging to participate in this contribution for the poor among the saints. They beg Paul. The upside down world looks like this, lastly. It's people who define richness differently. Verse 5 says the following, And this they did, not as we expected. But why did they do this? And here comes the, the crunch of the matter. They gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. So folks, this, this is what defines richness. Is the hearts of the people were towards God, and it didn't matter what the size of the gift was. Their hearts were absolutely devoted and committed towards their king. It belonged to God. And whatever belongs to God does not belong to myself. And if I give my heart to the Lord, I don't keep my wallet. If I give my heart to the Lord, I don't give my, keep my time and my other resources to myself. When I give my heart to the Lord, everything belongs to Him. And it was evident from even the poor common people of the, of the Macedonian church. This is how they lived. I want to say to you, all financial, whatever resources we have, giving of that should be firstly preceded by a self-giving. A giving of our hearts to God. Because otherwise we, we start, maybe, maybe I'll buy some favor in the life of the church or with God. I'll, I'll give so that God can bless me. But my heart doesn't belong. It's just a bit of my wallet I can use. God says, I don't want your resources. I want your heart. It always starts with our hearts. Always. That's why we, we don't make a huge effort to let you and force you to give money. Money is important. We needed to operate. We needed to make a difference in this world that we've called to make a difference in. There's no doubt. And it's been very tough of late. And I don't often preach about finances. But there are times when we need to stop and say, guys, we've got to be real. Self-giving to God results in my wallet being involved too. Come on. We can't deny that. But we cannot do it because we want to gain favor with God or gain favor with people. I don't know who gives what in this church. And I don't want to really know. But what I want to know is that we are people that have sacrificed our hearts to the Lord. And that we're also prepared to back it up with whatever else is required. And that's what I see a, a, an upside down people looks like. Where, we, where we're not controlled by materialism that whatever little we have or much we have doesn't matter because our hearts belong to him and here we have an example of the macedonian church that said we have very little but we'll give much because much has been given from him and much i want to give back to him an upside down people lives with generous hearts 
which really is a proof of a genuine love for our God. That's why I say to you, we don't take time to just go in and talk about finances all the time. We talk about our hearts belonging to Him. And then we say, well, if your heart belongs to Him, He has your wallet too. He has your time. He has your resources. He has your skills. He has your knowledge so that you can use that to benefit His kingdom. So I want to close by asking you just this. I want to ask you to to be an upside-down people. The world, in its own definition of what is right and what is wrong, is starting to redefine what they think it should look like. And actually, that it's a mess. I read to you just some examples of what that upside-down world looks like. It doesn't make sense. But we, as the people of God, need to establish the world that God wants. And when it comes to giving, and I'm talking about giving of our finances, I ask you to be an upside-down people. I'm not asking for you the size of a gift or a big gift. I'm asking you for a big heart because that's what we read in the kingdom. And you're not giving it to me. You're giving it to God, your hearts. And involved in that is a, is a heart that says, God, whatever I can give, I will make it available to you. And so, Father, I pray this morning that we will be known as an upside-down people that are so ready, so willing, so available to make whatever we have available to you. No matter how small or how big it is, Lord God, you've got our hearts. And in that, you've got our funds. We've got our resources. We've got to be wise. We've got to care for our family. We've got to take care of this. But Lord God, I pray that we will be content with what we have and not strive for more, not be caught up in materialism, but at the same time see that we are kingdom people. We are upside down people so that we can make a difference in this world and see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, I pray for this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.